If you have your Bible, and I, as I always say, I pray that you do, I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn with me. First of all, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, and then put a placeholder there, put your finger there, whatever <laughs> works for you, and then turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So 1 Peter 4 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Certainly since the end of January, um, as the song goes, the weather outside has been a little bit frightful. And uh, most of us would probably rather stay at home around the fire, the space heaters or whatnot where the weather is delightful. But I'm thankful that you're here today and uh, I want you to know how incredibly grateful it is I am to see so many of you back in the Lord's house, worshiping the Lord here in person and uh, doing our diligence to be safe while we do so. And uh, so many here on Sundays. And then many of you have also bought up the opportunity to be here on Wednesday night for our Wanda Bible Clubs, our middle school, high school ministry, adult Bible studies. And like I say, if you're watching online, there's plenty of room in the gymnasium, especially on Wednesday nights. And so I'd encourage you to take advantage of that. You know, it was David who said in Psalm 122, in verse number 1, this is what he said, I was glad. This is what David said. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen? It wasn't a burden. It was something that he was happy about when somebody said, hey, come on, let's go to the Lord's house. And so I'm thankful that you're here. And I can, I don't know about you, but I can hardly wait. I'm getting excited. I can hardly wait until we are all, all of us, in person, those that are worshiping online, that have been online, I'm excited and looking forward to that day when we can all be gathered together in one place, worshiping the Lord, encouraging one another, edifying, building up one another, and exhorting one another. What a day of celebration that will be. Well, this side of the room seems to think that's a pretty good thing. What, a, what an exciting thing that'll be. I, sorry, you guys did a good job. What an exciting thing that'll be over here. Well, a few of you going in. <laughs> oh, man. God is good. Don't you just love Jesus this morning? Do you really love Him? Because you know He loves you. If you want to leave somebody with a message today, if you go out to the restaurant, if you go out to the marketplace, if you're in a gas station, if you're somewhere, somewhere else, just tell somebody that Jesus loves you. And they say, well, how do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. Little ones to whom belong. We are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves you. You can share that message with somebody today, and I pray that you will. Well, I guess we ought to get back to the message. And uh, since January, as you see on the screens, we've been talking about the idea of being faithful as good stewards, as good managers, if you please, of the things that God has blessed us with. And uh, as you know, we've been talking, we've been talking about um, uh, a lot of different things. We've been talking about uh, being faithful with the truth of God's Word. We've, we had a missionary come in and reiterate that message and, and talking about our stewardship of the gospel to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then We've talked about uh, the use of our tongue or our speech and how it's so important. God takes it very seriously, the things that come out of our mouth. You know, out of the heart comes the things that we say. And so we have to be very careful there. We talked about uh, the stewardship of uh, the finances or resources that God has blessed us with. We talked about uh, the stewardship of our time. 
And although I didn't really package it as part of the Faithful series, last week, if you didn't watch last week's message, I want to encourage you to do so. You say, well, I was eating Valentine's cookies. Well, go back and watch it on YouTube because if you really are into the message, you'll understand that we could connect that to this series on being faithful, the stewardship that you and I have with God's love. And uh, what an amazing opportunity that He's given us. And so let's begin our message. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And as we've done with every message in this series, I want us to read one verse from uh, this passage here in verse number 2. But today I want us to do it a little bit differently. If you don't have your Bible, I want to draw your attention to the uh, video screens. I want us to read it together, and so notice, let's read together verse number two only. It won't hurt you, you can participate. The Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Say that last word again, faithful. Say it again, faithful. That's what God's Word is asking of you and of me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the opportunity to sing praises unto You today. Lord, we have been reminded from these songs of encouragement that You are good. You are such a good, good God to us. Lord, even when we are suffering, even when we go through seasons of persecution and affliction, You are still good. So Lord, I pray that it would be our desire to recognize Your goodness in how we manage the many blessings that You have given to us. Lord, I pray that today that You will have Your will in Your way and that Your Word, Your Word will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that will spring forth and burst out and bring forth fruit that would bring You honor and that would bring You glory. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody that is watching online, And if they don't have a relationship with You this morning, Lord, I pray that first and foremost and above all things, that today they would recognize Your love. That they would recognize Your goodness. God, that they would trust You. That they would believe that Jesus died for their sins. That they would believe that. That they would receive Christ into their heart today. Lord, I pray that for those who are here watching that are believers, God, today that we would once again desire to put You first in each and every aspect of our lives. And Lord, we'll be careful to give You the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' precious name and for His sake, amen and amen. Well, it is good to be in the Lord's house. And as we get started this morning, we've talked about the fact that our biblical definition for stewardship is simply this, for this series, God-given responsibility with accountability. And I want to encourage you. You say, well, I'm not much on memorizing. I want to encourage you to memorize this. I want to encourage you to memorize this and make this a part of your own personal stewardship plan for 2021. God-given responsibility with accountability. Remembering that everything you have been blessed with, you are responsible to use it in a way that brings God honor and a way that brings Him glory. And so this idea of responsibility with accountability is very, very biblical. And I would also believe that it would be beneficial day in and day out to remember those four principles of stewardship that we've shared with you over the past month or so. Number one, the principle of ownership, reminding you that God owns everything. We know that, right? 
The clothes on your body today. You say, well, I bought them on Kohl's online and I got a great deal. Guess what? God owns them. I'm glad you're wearing them, by the way. I really am. Uh, uh, God owns them. Uh, that car that you ripped up the driveway in uh, with your loud muffler and your big tires, I'm joking with Clarence, he knows it, but God owns it. God owns that Mustang. God owns that nice truck, Shane. God owns that nice truck. Uh, so th- let's not forget that God is the owner of everything. Principle number two, the principle of responsibility. God entrusts us with everything that we have, and that word entrusts, is key because it reminds us that God has decided to give you, He's decided to give me a portion of what already belongs to Him. It's just a portion. And some of you say, well, I got a big portion. Well, congratulations. Guess what? God expects you to use it well. You say, well, I got a little portion and I'm so angry. God gave him or her more than He gave me. Just use what God gave you and maybe you'll get some more. Oh, it's, it's biblical. It's not prosperity gospel. You can read it in God's Word. Principle number three, the principle of accountability. God expects us to use it all well. He expects us to be good stewards. It isn't just a message that Pastor Greg decided to come up with every January to talk about stewardship when everybody, the amens get really far, few and far between. I rarely hear people saying amen when we're talking about stewardship. The principle of reward. Everybody ought to amen that. God exalts us in the end. Right? And so, remember these principles. Remember our definition this year. And so, let's go back, though, to 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want us to uh, draw our attention to a couple of verses from Peter's first letter. Now, you know that Peter is writing to a bunch of suffering saints. These are the Jews who were dispersed throughout the known world at this time. And despite the fact that these Jewish believers were facing intense persecution, Peter writes to encourage them. He's writing to encourage them. He's saying, this is his call. He's saying, be faithful. Be faithful. No matter what you face, no matter what comes your way, be faithful. And you say, oh, you're just picking that out. No, read his letters in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. This is his message. He's saying, despite your circumstances, oh, just be faithful. And I want to encourage you this morning to do the same thing. Oh, let's just be faithful, battlefield. Let's be faithful. I don't feel like it. I got news for you. Sometimes you're not going to feel like it. Sometimes you don't feel like getting up and going to work, but if you don't work, you don't eat. And so you get up and go to work. Sometimes you don't feel like taking a shower, but you need one. Sometimes you don't feel like doing this or that or the other, but guess what? We end up doing it. And so I want to encourage you, just be faithful. Hey, despite the craziness that's going on all around us, be faithful. Oh, despite your concerns, despite your confusion about COVID-19, just be faithful. Hold on. I said despite your confusion and your concerns about COVID-19, just be faithful. Despite the conflict. Does anybody else, is it me? Or do I see conflict everywhere? I mean, people are crazy. I mean, it gets me crazy thinking how crazy you all are. You are some crazy people, but guess what? We can be faithful, amen? Oh, smile, Jesus loves you. You don't have to get mad at me. If you're mad at God's Word, get mad at God. But guess what? Like the saying says, don't get mad, get glad. In this letter, what a powerful letter. In this letter, God is speaking. God is speaking 
Peter may be writing, but it's God who is speaking to these dispersed Jews. And, and God is calling believers then and there, and He's calling you and I as believers here and now to live and to respond godly in the midst of our own suffering, in the midst of any affliction that we face, in the midst of any persecution that we must go through. And interestingly enough, there's a lot here in this, in this passage. And guys, I know I didn't ask for this, but I want to read verses 1 and 2. I want you to draw your attention to verse 1 and 2 of 1 Peter chapter 4, because I think it's imperative. Look at what Peter writes here. It says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. In other words, get ready to do what Jesus did. And notice he goes on. He says, Arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for, thee, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So guess what? As you suffer, as you face persecution, if you're focused on God, if you're responding godly, then guess what? You're going to stop sinning, which in ultimate uh, regards is going to bring God honor and glory. But look at verse 2 that he no longer should live the rest of his time, there's the word time that we were talking about a few weeks ago, in the flesh, to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Oh, be faithful. Be faithful with your time. Be faithful with your treasures. Be faithful with the truth of God's Word. Be faithful, little tongue, what you say. Be faithful with your thought life. Be faithful with your actions. Oh, listen, people are watching. In some instances, they are very small people watching you, mom and dad. They're trying to figure out if what you say, dad, is true or not. They're trying to figure out, mom, if you really are a follower of Jesus Christ. And so it's so important. Grandpa, you're not off the hook. Grandma, you're not off the hook. Auntie Am and Uncle Babo or whatever your name is, you're not off the hook either. Every one of us have a responsibility to be faithful. Interestingly enough, look down at verse 7. Down in verse 7, Peter says, but the end of all things is at hand. In other words, what he's telling these believers then, he's saying, guess what? You are living in the shadow or under the shadow of history's ultimate apex. And guess what? 2021, you and I are living under the shadow, if you please, of history's ultimate apex. And what is history's ultimate apex? Anybody? Soon and very soon, Jesus is going to break that eastern sky wide open. And I don't know about you, but that makes me want to do a little dance, and I'm not a good dancer. Because soon and very soon, when He breaks that sky wide open, I was thinking about when you all were singing that we ought to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 13 and following, guess what? My brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which sleep, but soon and very soon the trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to come back, and I'm paraphrasing, and all things are going to be made right. Oh, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready because soon and very soon, whether you believe it or not, you're going to see the King. You don't believe Him, you're still going to see the King. Isn't that, that's something. That, that right there, that'll burst your circuit breaker. Whether you believe in Jesus or not today, sir, ma'am, young person, it makes no military difference in the world because soon and very soon the Bible says you're going to see the king. And guess what? The Bible also says and every knee will bow 
and every tongue will actually operate and confess that Jesus is Lord of all. Man, I might get excited today. It's been a while since I've seen you in this room. But for the purpose of this message, that's a different message. But for the purpose of this message, I want you to look at two verses. Drop down and look at verse number 10 and verse number 11 today. As we live under the shadow of history's ultimate apex, as we live knowing that soon and very soon Jesus is going to come and He's going to do what He does, the Bible asks us to do what we need to do right now. In verse number 10, Peter says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards. There it is, good stewards. What kind of steward is Peter saying we need to be? Good. He didn't say be a bad steward. He didn't say be an unfaithful steward. He didn't say be an unbelieving steward. He said be a what? Good steward of the manifold grace of God. Just so you understand, when the Bible speaks of the manifold grace of God, that means the many colored, the varied graces of God. And then verse number 11, it says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion for how long? Forever and ever. Amen. Now notice right away, we want to get going. Notice right away, Peter says that every man has received the gift. Ladies, that includes you too. Every man and every woman has received the gift. And you say, well, I like gifts. What gift did I receive? What's the gift that he's talking about? Well, this word here, this, the Greek word that's used to describe the gift is actually the word charisma. And it's where you get the word charisma. And it actually means literally a gratuity or more specifically, it means an endowment or an ability which God gives you. You, you didn't have it. But guess what? When you get saved, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence through the Holy Spirit, God says, I'm going to give you a gift. And you say, well, hold on, I got a gift. I got the gift of forgiveness. Yeah, but God's such a good God. He gives you more than that. Just like Colby was praying. If he just stopped there, it would be more than enough for all eternity. But God says, no. He said, I love you so much. I'm going to give you a little something extra. So guess what? What's the gift he's talking about? Well, very quickly from this one verse, the beginning of verse number 10, we can deduce that every follower of Jesus Christ has been gifted by God with some type of gift. And guess what? You say, well, is there more than one? Maybe so. Maybe you have a couple of them. But guess what? He's gifted you with the ability to serve Him and His kingdom. For His kingdom's good, He's given you a gift. In writing to the church at Corinth, I love how the Apostle Paul he puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll go there a little bit later on, but in verses 4 and following, notice what Paul says. He says, now there are diversities of gifts, but he references the same Spirit. He says, and there are differences of administrations. That word administration speaks of ministries. He said, there's a bunch of different ministries, but the same Lord. And then in verse 6, and there are diversities of operations or activities, if you please, but it is the same God which worketh 
all in all. Notice in verse 4, 5, and 6, he references the Spirit, he references the Lord, and he references God the Father. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, guess what? All these gifts flow and emanate from God. If you have a gift, you get it from God. If you were to read that passage in verses 7 through 10, the Scripture goes on if you've read that passage, to outline a number of gifts as indications of the Holy Spirit's presence. But I want you to notice what verse number 11 of that passage says. It says these things. It says, but all these, all these gifts, all of these things that God has done in you, worketh that one and the same self spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. In other words, any and all of the endowments any and all of the things that we have been blessed with have been given to us, are you ready for it? As a divine gratuity, as a little tip that God has given you and given me so that we can take that divine gratuity and use it for His honor and His glory. Oh, what a great God. What a wonderful God we serve. And like everything else that we have, everything that we've received, our responsibility is simply, hey, He says, guess what? You enjoy the gift. You use the gift. But I'm going to ask you to please be faithful with the gift that I give you. So if you're a note taker, I want to share four basic thoughts with you. And I'm going to let you know. I'm going to warn you in advance. They are earth shattering. They are earth shattering today. I want to warn you. I want to warn you in advance. They're earth shattering. But if you're a note taker, here it is. Four quick things about the gift that God has given you. And the key people were focused on was that I just said four quick things. You were like, oh, maybe he'll be quick today. Notice number one. Mark says no. Notice number one. Here it is. Are you ready? Use your gift. That seems rather elementary. That seems rather simple, doesn't it? But verse 10 tells us that as believers, since we have received the gift, it just seems normal that you and I would actually use the gift. And while I know it seems obvious, I mention it because statistics continue to reveal that fewer and fewer of God's people are actually exercising their spiritual gifts than ever before. Do you know that statistics continue to re reveal now less than 10% of the people in any and all churches do 100% of the serving and work around the church? Mm, I don't like this message. Uh, Pastor, could we move on to point number two? You said it was quick. Point number one, I know it's earth-shattering, but the Bible says use your gift. The biblical formula for success is 100% of the people using 100% of the gift that they have been given by God, and yet we wonder why there aren't any perfect churches. It's because we just don't want to use the gift. We want to soak up the blessings without doing any of the gifting. Oh, listen, my friends, the Bible is very clear. Turn with me to Romans, Romans chapter 12. I want you to see what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 12. Now, by the way, there's natural gifting, natural abilities. We're talking about spiritual abilities. See, you might be a good singer. You might be a good uh, bass guitar player. We have a great one. You might be uh, gifted at playing the piano. You might be gifted uh, with natural abilities. You might be a good ball player. You might pitch faster than anybody else. You might run faster than anybody else. You might do all kind of big things. But I'm talking about spiritual gifting here. Notice what Paul says to the church at Rome. 
Look at chapter 12 and draw your attention to verse 3 and following. He says, for I say, through the grace given unto me. So scripture is confirming what Peter says over in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Paul says the same thing over here in Romans. He says, for I say, through the grace that is what? Given unto me. He says, it's a gift that I got. He says, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Now hold on to that phrase, every one members one of another. That's why Paul then tells us in Ephesians to speak the truth with one another because we are all members one of another. See, it's so important how the body operates. Now continue on. Verse number 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Folks, I put down some thoughts here. If God has gifted you to minister, that means to give attendance to, to aid, to provide care or to provide relief in some form or fashion, then just do it. A lot of people have been gifted with the gift of ministry, but because they don't use it, people continue to hurt. People continue to feel like nobody cares. Oh, listen, if you have the gift of ministry, use it. If God has gifted you to teach, I got news for you. We, we're going to open up Sunday school rooms again. Right? And you say, well, we can only fit two in the room. Well, guess what? We'll fit two. The teacher and his wife can come. Or whatever. Whatever. We're going to open up the Sunday school room. So if you have the gift of teaching, you know what the gift of teaching is, right? Awana leaders. Wanna leaders, upward basketball coaches, upward basketball assistants, uh, children's ministry, middle school ministry. Hello, we got middle schoolers that need good teachers. We got high schoolers that need good teachers. We got young adults that need good teachers. We got senior saints that need good teachers. And you know what being a good teacher is? Somebody who is willing to rightly divide the word of truth. That's what a good teacher is. Well, uh, I'm not very charismatic. Guess what? Paul didn't talk about being charismatic to be a teacher. He talked about going out and preaching and teaching the Word of God. Oh, if you have the gift of teaching, you ought to be letting somebody know. And use that gift. If God has gifted you to exhort. We got some exhorters in here. People love to exhort me all the time. No, I'm, I'm being serious. People love to exhort me all the time. The word exhort is the word parakaleo. If you look in Scripture here in chapter 12, it's the word parakaleo. That means to call near, to come alongside, to comfort. I, I could take some comfort every once in a while, couldn't you? Oh, we need some exhorters. To come alongside, to invite, to comfort. An exhorter is also somebody who implores other people to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Oh, if you, you can be an exhorter. It doesn't take much to encourage somebody to come alongside to comfort somebody, right along with ministering. And then if you have the gift of exhortation, to implore somebody to believe the gospel so that they 
would have a relationship with God. By the way, exhortation, I put in my notes just so everybody's clear, exhortation is not the gift of tearing people down. It's the gift of lifting people up. How dare us ever go out into the public and think that we're so supernaturally, spiritually filled that we are, have a right to tear somebody else down. The only right we have is to a devil's hell, but save Jesus Christ, saving our souls. That's the right that we have. And so if you want to be an exhorter, go out, remember, remember that you're just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, if you have the gift to give, you know what? We at Battlefield Baptist Church would encourage you to give. You know, we support ministries all around the world. We support this ministry here locally. You know that, uh, I guess it was about a month ago or so, Ernie, correct me, remember, we, we didn't have heat running here. It costs money to run heat. It costs money to run the electric. Ron, doesn't it? It costs money to run electric, even though we put the cost-saving light bulbs in here. It still costs money to run ministries all around the world. If you have the gift of giving, oh, nobody ought to have to tell you to give. I, I, I shouldn't have to have a miracle offering for people to give to the Lord. I know ain't nobody amen in that. <laughs> if God has gifted you to lead or administrate in some way, then set the example and lead and organize and lead with diligence. By the way, if God's given you the gift to lead, that doesn't mean that you are called to be a dictator. God didn't call me to be a dictator. God never called anybody to be a dictator. God calls you in ministry to lead, then you lead. Just remember, when you lead, you better set the example. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Oh, if God has finally, here's a good one. If God has gifted you with the gift of mercy and compassion. That's me, pastor. That's me. Everybody wants to be the one who has the gift of mercy and compassion. Then let me just warn you. If you're going to have the gift of mercy and compassion, then you're going to be someone who's compassionate with your thoughts. You're going to be compassionate with your words. And you're also going to be compassionate with your actions. Don't come off saying you got the gift of mercy and compassion if you're not so compassionate with your thoughts. What does that mean? Well, that means I'm thinking something about somebody before I go tell them, oh, I love you so much, sister. And then I go back over here and I'm thinking bad thoughts about them. That's not the gift of mercy and compassion. That's the gift of hypocrisy. And it didn't come from God. By the way, the gift that you might have <laughs> might not be as popular as those who have the gift of ministry or mercy. But God still wants you to use it. He wants you to use it, you see, because every one of us are members of the body. You have special spiritual gifts. I have a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. We all have different gifts according to what God has designed and desired for you. And the beautiful thing about churches and the local New Testament churches, when we all 100% are using our giftedness from God, it makes up the body. And guess what? When, it, when we are all working together, the body functions well. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, the Bible says that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema, okay? And it means this, it means a product that is fabric 
or fabricated. And this, this Greek word poema is the Greek word from which we get the word poem. Okay, and so you see a lot of things when you really get down and start studying the, the, the word meanings here in text, whether it be a Hebrew or Greek word. And so it actually means this word poem. So what Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is reminding the believers at Ephesus and you and I today is that you and I are all beautiful works of art. You're a beautiful work of art. This is what Paul is saying. You, in other words, I put down, my, you're a masterpiece in God's eyes. You say, well, I don't feel like a masterpiece. I don't, I don't feel like a masterpiece. I was hurting this morning when I got up. Guess what? You're still beautiful in God's eyes. Oh, and the Bible says He makes everything beautiful in His time. Maybe you don't feel like a masterpiece this morning. But if you'll just trust God, if you'll just ask God for wisdom, if you'll just walk in the strength that He alone can give, then maybe, just maybe, you'll start to see that God is right. You are a masterpiece in His eyes. Oh, my friends, every gift or ability that you have or that I have, natural or spiritual, has been given to us by God. And every gift or ability that we have can and should be used for God. Proverbs 16, verse 3, tells us to commit thy works unto the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Oh, friends, use your gift. Number two, use your gift for the benefit of others. Use your gift for the benefit of others. Look back at verse number 10. The Bible says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. I put out to the side of my notes this bracket, and I just wrote these words. Everybody do your part. Everybody do your part. Notice it says, Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As Christ followers, the Lord has molded you. He has shaped you. He has gifted you. He has done the same with me, specifically with a valuable purpose in mind. And you say, well, I don't know what the purpose is. Guess what? Your life's work should be to use the gift that God has given you and let Him work out His purpose and His plan in your life. You may not know what the purpose is, but God does. Oh yes, all things work together for good to them that love and are the called according to to His purpose. So His plan and purpose for our lives, quite simply, is others. You can fill it out with one word, others, others, others. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, in verses 3, 4, and 5. He says this, he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others, and then I love verse 5. He says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I've said it many times. If you want to have the mind of Christ, here it is. You got to get into it. You're not going to have the mind of Christ. You're not going to serve one another if you're not in the mind of Christ. There's no way you can have the mind of Christ if you're not reading from the mind of Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is His mind written down for you. This is His desire. This is His plan for you and for me. I think about how in obedience Jesus came. You know the verse says, For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. In, in obedience, Jesus came. But the Bible tells us that it was in humility that He walked and that it was in love that He died. 
Obedience He came, humility He walked, and in love He dies on the cross for the sins of the world. My friends, if you and I are walking as Jesus walked, you can find that in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 6 and 7. If you're walking as Jesus walked, I, I said chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 1. If you're walking as Jesus walked, then you're going to be living a life of obedience. You're going to be living a life of humility. You're going to be living, here it is, you're going to be living a life of love. You see, because that's the new commandment that Jesus gave to us. Remember, I shared that last week in our message. Oh, listen, in speaking about our new liberty in Christ, it was Paul who said this in Galatians chapter 5. In verse number 13, he said, he said, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Use only, only use not liberty for the occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Oh, my friends, for the body to prop, properly function, then everybody's part must be operational. For, for my body to operate the way it should, then guess what? Some of you know I've been having this little na nagging back pain. There's some days when the back says, it's a good day. And then there's some days, and some of you that may be like me or may even be worse, you roll over and say, whew, the back's not going to let me do what I want to do today. See, even physically, the body needs all its parts to be operational for us to function properly. For the local New Testament church to function properly, every one of its parts must be functioning properly. That means we must be using the gift that, that God has blessed us. Remember, it's a divine gratuity. We must be taking advantage of that divine gratuity. We must be using that gift for the benefit of others. Well, I'm tired of doing it for others. I hear you. Sometimes we go through seasons like that, don't we? Where you just feel tired. You feel like nobody appreciates it. You give and you give and you give. And you wonder, Lord, can you see me down here? Do you see what's going on? People just rejecting you. People just running around, running amok, living in sin, idolatry and everything. God, don't you see what's going on? And we cry out to God as if He doesn't know what's going on. That's why He wants us to use the gift, that gratuity that He has given to us. Oh, it'll make a difference in the lives of everyone. Turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you're turning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm actually going to take this, um, I'm going to read this passage from uh, the Christian Standard Bible. And uh, you say, how many Bibles do you have? I, I have a lot. I read a number of different versions, but this, this here I think will, will speak to you. And I want you to, if you, if you don't have your Bible, please look at the screen. I'm going to read this from the Christian Standard Bible in, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse number 18. Notice, notice what the Bible says. It's amazing. It says, but as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if there were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker, watch it, are indispensable. It means they're indispensable. We have to have them. Watch this. Those parts, verse 23, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division or schism in the body. But watch these words. But that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, you see it? So if one member suffers, Jessica Martin just lost her mom a few weeks back. Abby just lost her brother last week. Many of you have family members that are sick. If one member suffers, watch it, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and individual members of it. In other words, the Bible is saying that every one of us is valuable. Every one of us contributes to the overall spiritual success of everyone. You using your gift that God has divinely given you as a gratuity, as an endowment, as a blessing, He says it's critical that you use it. Because see, you using your gift or me using my gift might be a blessing to her. You using your gift might be a blessing to him. And you using your gift might be a blessing to her back here. And we don't know. That's why it's so incredibly important that not only 8% of the church serve. Oh, it's incredibly important that all of us get in serve. Well, pastor, I just don't know how I can serve. Oh, yeah, you can be an encouragement. You can be a minister. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Yeah, just, just serve people. Come alongside. Maybe you can encourage somebody. Maybe you can edify. Maybe you can exhort somebody today. Oh, there's an opportunity for everyone. Oh, listen, we've all been gifted to serve God and others. That's why it's important to use your gift. It's important to use your gift to benefit of others. And then quickly, point number three is maximize your gift's potential. If you're going to use your gift to maximize the potential, look at verse number 11. It says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. Now look, this verse, I know it's not referencing all the gifts that we've talked about, but the point is very clear, and that's that no matter what our gift is, it needs to be exercised in public and in private according to what we find in Scripture. See, whatever we find in Scripture, that's what we should be doing. See, a lot of times we have uh, life according to me. We have uh, serving according to me and, and my schedule. Remember, if you put first things first, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, then he's going to add all these other things. If God comes first in your life, see the economy of time, he starts to give you time to do other things. If you're putting God last, if you're only giving God a tip every week, and you're saying, God, I'm going to tip you an hour and a half on Sunday, and then the rest of the week I'm going to live like I want to live, then guess what? You're going to find yourself confused. You're going to find yourself wanting more and more time because you're not being a good steward of the time that God has given you. But if you'll put Him first, then guess what? 
Baseball practice, football practice, dance class, guitar practice, all these other things that are going on, oh, you'll find time for them. See, we just have to put God first. See, and if we put God first, then we have time to use the spiritual gift that he's given us. Oh, we have to maximize our potential. And we do that through the wisdom and strength of God. I just put in my notes, hey, we've got to get busy and serve God and, and trust God. There are days, and I'll just be honest with you, we need to rely on His strength every day. But I don't know about you, but there are days when I really need His strength. Have you ever had days where you think, God, I got this on my own? God, you can go help. Go help Trevor. I got it on my own, right? And so you, like, you tell, like, God, I got it. Go help. Go help mom. Go help dad or whatever, right? Be careful on that day. Be careful on that day. See, every day we ought to wake up saying, God, I need you. I need your strength today. God, I need your wisdom. Your word tells me if I lack wisdom, I can ask of you and you're going to give it to me. So God, give me a big old dose of wisdom. Because if I'm going to serve you, if I'm going to use this gift that you have given me as a gratuity, as you have endowed me with this gift, then I need your help to be able to use it effectively for your honor and for your glory. You may recall how I said a couple weeks ago, if we waste time, we're wasting our testimony. You remember that? I said if we waste time, we're wasting our testimony. I would also suggest that if we're not using and maximizing the potential of our gift from the Lord, then we're wasting them. In Galatians chapter 6, the Bible says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Oh, we do good. We do good when we exercise the gifts that God has given us. And then lastly, we see use your gift. Use your gift for the benefit of others. Maximize your gift's potential. And then lastly, this idea I want you to know, the proper use of your gift glorifies God. Look at verse number 11 again. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. Why? That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Biblically speaking, our glory is of no concern. You say, well, duh. You know, there's a lot of people looking for notoriety these days. It's not about our notoriety. It's about His superiority. It's not about what you can get. It's not about all the accolades you can get. It's about all the glory that He deserves. Oh, my friends, the sole aim of every committed Christian and follower of Christ is to use the gifts that have been given to them for God's honor and His glory. That's why Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your God, your Father which is in heaven. It's not about you, sir. It's not about me, Greg. It's not about you, ma'am. It's not about you, young person. You think you can run things in your home. You think you can tell mom and dad what's going to be and how it's going to be. I got news for you. God's still in charge. I know 2021 has told you that you're in charge of the home, but you're not, young person. Dad, I know that you, it's hard to lead in your home in 2021, but you can do it if you'll just follow God's Word. God has not called you to lead in some way that He's not asked any other father to lead. Mom, it's still okay to, to train up a child in the way they should go. It's still okay in 2021 to do that. Hey, I like, I don't want to pick on, I won't say his name. It's still okay to check out your daughter's potential boyfriends and husbands. It's still okay to do that. 
How can two walk together unless they be agreed, the Bible says. Oh, Dad, you better, you better do some checking. You better do some leading. By the way, it's okay to check out the girl who your son gets hooked up with too. It ain't just a thing for girls and boys. It's for boys and girls. And last time I checked, I know it's insensitive, culturally insensitive, but the last time I checked, when God created man, He created male and female. You know, as I close, the Bible says this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says this in verse number 9. Watch it. Again, Peter writing to those dispersed Jews who were facing affliction and persecution on a regular basis. The same group that he's encouraging to be faithful no matter what comes their way. Notice he says, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into whose marvelous light? His marvelous light. Oh, my friends, by using the gifts that God has given us, by using the gifts that you and I have received as a divine gratuity, you and I are showing forth the praises of Him that called us out of this glory, out of darkness, into His glorious light. When we actually become better stewards of His truth, of the time that we have, of the resources He gives us, of every, everything, every aspect of life, His love, our gifts, and on and on. The better we do at that, not in our own strength, but in His strength, the more glory He gets. Because see, as it was prayed, the world could care less what your favorite movie is. Now listen, if you know a good restaurant, it might be good to know. But it has no eternal significance in my life. Because soon and very soon, I'll stop eating this type of food. I'm going to a place where I'll never have to straddle up to any buffet. Oh, it's only going to be eternal hellos there, never goodbyes. It's only going to be singing and rejoicing. No more pain, no more sorrow. Oh, we're a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. We ought to show forth the praises of Him that has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And the way that we do that is by using these gifts that He has given us. Faithful is not just a word, my friends. I put down in my notes when it comes to our management and stewardship of all the things that we have. Faithful just reminds us that you and I have been given an opportunity to express our gratitude back to Him. Do you love Jesus? Then be faithful. Are you in love with Him? Be faithful. If you're in this room, if you're watching online, and you say, you know what, I'm not a believer. My prayer for you is that you would know, that you would know beyond a shadow of doubt how much God loves you. How much He loves you. That you would recognize God's love. That you would believe that He loved you so much that He sent His Son to die. That you would believe the Gospel. That you would believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He arose and He conquered death, hell, and the grave three days later. And I don't know about you, but if Christ didn't rise, then you and I are most miserable, Paul says. So I'm very thankful that He did rise again. Trust Christ today. You, you can't be faithful with your time, your treasures, gifts, His love. You can't be faithful with anything until you know 
that He has been faithful to you. But if you know Christ, then I want to encourage you today to trust Him. Trust His plan. Say, it's been a terrible month. I'm tired. I'm still dealing with the loss of a loved one. I got a family member who's in the hospital. I got a family member who's been fighting an illness for years. I'm fighting an illness. Whatever your situation is, can I beg you to trust him that his plan is best? God loves you. Despite all the hurt, despite all the hang-ups and habits that you've had to go through your entire life, He loves you, and He wants the very best for you. Can I encourage you today to trust Him, trust His plan, and to ask Him, say, God, God, just something simple. God, help me to be a better manager of these things that you have blessed me with. God, help me to make this a part of, a part of my life throughout the remainder of this year. Not so that my life would be better, but so that you and your glory would be greater. Oh, I pray that that's your heart's desire today. If you don't know him, trust him. If you do know him, live for him. Be faithful. Father, we thank you for your love. God, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be into your word and to understand that you just want us to be faithful as you have been faithful to us, as you have given to us, as you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And, and Lord, you've given us these gifts, these endowments, if you please, these divine gratuities. Lord, and, the, and your desire is that we use these gratuities, these giftings, God, that we would use them to serve you and to serve the body. God, that when we do use these gifts, that ultimately it's you that gets the glory. Because instead of gossiping, people start celebrating your goodness. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, that today, that they'll simply call out upon the name of the Lord and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive them and to come into their life and to change them from the inside out. Lord, I pray that if there's believers here, if they're really honest with you, they would... Believers who are honest with you and they might say, Lord, I've struggled with this area of stewardship. Whether it be this management or tr your truth or time or uh, using their tongue in a way that brings you honor and glory or uh, celebrating and, and sharing your love with others. Lord, I don't know what the situation is, but maybe there's somebody that has, has a relationship with you. But Lord, maybe right now you're speaking to them. And you're telling them to be faithful. Lord, I pray that the desire of your people would be to use the gifts that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen us in this year of craziness. <laughs> now we're into a second year of craziness. Lord, I pray that you'll give us wisdom as we go away from this building, as we go away from this edifice, as the body of Christ, as we go out into different parts of the community, God, that you would continue to use us as your body to impact our culture. Lord, I pray that you will do these things. God, and I pray that we'll give you the honor and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray and for his sake. Amen and amen.
Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.